Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Manzi Ayabare Kajina, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here again. Thanks to Rev Ayabare, who I don't see. But yeah, he called me and said, are you the one who started this thing? You come and finish it. So I said, yeah, if not, why not? Um, my wife is here, Amara Kajina, and my son, Ajuna, and uh, even the one in the stomach is here with us. Um, I thank God very much for the opportunity to share God's word. And um, without wasting more time, we can go into it. So, a few weeks back, a uh, short story, a few weeks back, uh, my father returned from the village and he brought back a TV, an old TV. Remember those TVs with bums? Uh, we had taken, we had taken the TV so many years ago, maybe like 20 years ago. Uh, it was one of those TVs that, I think it was one of our first TVs. It was a cathode ray tube, those guys who understand TV technology. And so he called me, said, hey, first come and check if this thing still works. So I came, plugged it into power, uh, and then switched it on. No sooner had I switched it on, than I remembered, because you have to first pull the aerial. I remembered, it can't work, right? It will not work. Why? I began to explain to him about TV technology, right? We are past the days of analog television. We're in the era of digital television, right? You can only watch TV in two ways, <laughs> either by satellite transmission from uh, extraterrestrial transmission, if you have a decoder, or IPTV, if you're using internet, so Netflix and YouTube. So this stuff of aerials and radio waves, it gum, right? So as I was preparing, I remembered that. I said, I, th I think this is a good scenario for us to look at in terms of this text. The time is past for analog TV. So in the same breath, I'll share the title for my sermon. If you're taking notes, the time is past for living in sin. Live for God to the glory of God, right? We've been looking at the book of First Peter, and I imagine if you've been coming, you know the context. But for those who are here for the first time, First Peter is written by Peter, who is Simon Peter, the apostle. He writes this letter to people who are in exile, meaning they are struggling where they are, and they're in exile because of persecution, not by choosing, right? So they go to exile because they're being persecuted in their different uh, places. Uh, thank you, Grace, for reading the text, and we're going to go through it slowly. Verse 1 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. To do what? So as <clears throat> to leave the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Verse 3. For the time is past. Or for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, etc., etc. So... We're going to look at this sermon in about three parts. Part one, which will be titled, if you're taking notes, which I hope everyone is doing. 
Forget about that life, part one. It will have subsections like A up to G, right? Forget about that life. What are you forgetting about? Forget about human passions. I'm not adding this stuff. It's, it's there in the text, right? Forget about human passions. I remember when I was still a young Christian and we had just gotten saved and would come to church for pesetas or TFC and they said, now, stop listening to secular music. For the life of me, I could not imagine how do you stop listening to secular music? Like, I, I had my phone, it was filled with like 10,000 songs. So, do you go deleting one by one every day? Do you, how? <laughs> and, of course, with time, as you grow as a Christian and you begin to, to listen to the lyrics more intently, slowly, slowly, you find yourself discarding, right? The time I used to travel in the car with my mom and when I'm driving, because there's only, the, what, the car radio goes up to 90, I just switch off the radio because it's either 88.2 or 90 and the conversation would be good until they play music and you're like, why did I even listen, right? So the passions of human beings, when you listen to the lyrics, you'd be shocked at what we're exposed to at such a young age, right? That's A. P, forget about living in sensuality. Maybe you guys haven't. I don't think you know, our culture here allows for sensuality a lot. But in this culture where Paul, uh, Peter is writing to these people in Rome, ah, guys, debauchery was mob. Actually, what led to the collapse of the Roman Empire was sensuality, the orgies, eating. Can you imagine the kingdom collapsed? The empire, the Roman Empire collapsed because of food, right? Pride, eating, uh, orgies, and so on and so forth. Uh, C, forget about drunkenness. Now, many of you here might not have been uh, taking part of this, but there are some who, you know, this has been your life. So I'm just listing the things that you used to do in the past. Forget, forget about drunkenness. Forget about orgies. I've said you guys have not been part of, but if you've been part, eh, forget. Forget about drinking parties. Um, I went to school. Uh, in Malaysia. Uh, my bachelor's degree, I studied at a university called Multimedia University. And, and we had drinking parties. And I used to wonder now, how is it going to be? Because, I mean, you know, first year you arrive, they say, now we have a party at Kambaho's home. We go. The party starts like at 11 p.m. And for me, my sleeping time is 10 p.m. So I'm like, it's already <laughs> past sleeping time. And then the things that happen in the drinking parties were not drinking. Drinking was just the beginning. Yeah? You start by drinking and you end up in, uh, in other things. And so I, I resolved. I said I will not be part of. Guys used to even host because I stayed in a house where we, are, we were four. And they would host. And I would stay in my room. Guys would knock. They're like, come. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I, I can't make it because there was alcohol. There was taking drugs. There was, I know some guys who are in jail in Malaysia for taking weed. Yeah. Um, that's E. F. Forget about idolatry. And this is not only like graven images or statues or things that you put up and worship. No. Guys, you have other idols. Eh? A brother confessed to me recently that, you know, running had become an idol. Yeah? Um, for me, during, uh, during the lockdown, 
trading cryptocurrency. I was a day trader and it had become an idol because I was like, yeah, yeah, this thing gives me a future and a hope. But, but you can't put your hope in, in things that are seen, right? Your hope is in God. Your idol could be your spouse, your work, the people whom, you know, if they just said you're fired, ah, that person can commit suicide, right? Because their entire value and worth and identity comes from their work. There are people whose idols are friends or family. I watched a movie recently where, okay, let me tell you the movie. It's called The Mauritanian. And this young man in Mauritania uh, got a scholarship to go to Germany. Sorry for the spoiler. But his, his family said, his mom was like, don't go, you should stay here. And the father was like, no, you should go because this is a great opportunity. Our entire hope, like a whole village, their hope was on this one guy, right? And that's, that's sad, right? That's a big mistake, that we can put our hope in a child, in a spouse, in a person, because long story short, he goes to Germany, ends up in Guantanamo Bay. Um, G, forget about debauchery. So all these things that I've mentioned are in verses 1 to 4 that have been read to you, okay? Um, Let's, let's read verse 5 and 6 from 4. With respect... Okay, let me read them again in case you think I was, I was making them up. From verse 2. So as to live for the rest of your time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. One, living in sensuality. Two, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised that you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. The example I gave you when I was studying, they are shocked. Because I was a Christian, right? I hope people are shocked when they invite you and you say no, right? If they're not shocked, then it means that there's not a big difference between you and them, right? So, they are shocked when you don't join them, so they malign you. They can start calling you names, maybe you're fake. I remember a time when my colleagues carried me and put me in a car and drove me to the club, but I, I, I still managed to, to stay out of it. So if people are maligning you, celebrate, right? If people are maligning you because of your faith, then that is good. Verse 5 but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Second part, verses 7 to 11. This is part two if you're writing notes. A, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Now this is application be self-controlled and sober-minded. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. It means that the end of all things is close. It's near. Like, it's not mob far, right? It's close. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. B. Love one another. Yeah? Last time I shared from chapter 1... And I said, loving one another honestly comes from being a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you can't love one another. You might 
look like you're loving, but in actual sense, it could be selfish love, okay? Show hospitality, that's C. D, serve one another. So Peter speaks about gifts like speaking, like I am to you. I'm speaking. Uh, others are stewards, like wardens, and the other people who serve in the church. Now, the reason is in part three. I'm giving part three as my reason. Part one, forget about that life, right? Part two, do the following. What are the following? Be self-controlled, love one another, show hospitality, serve one another. But why? Why all this, right? The reason is in verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order, guys, this is the reason, in order that in everything, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And this doesn't mean that we, we add him glory, like, if we glorify him or we lift him like he was down and we're lifting him. No, 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 no. That he may be glorified. And I'll explain what that means shortly. That he may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So I'll labor a bit more here on the glory. Why do we have to care about that. And what is glory? Well, Westminster's Shorter Catechism puts it like this in question one. The first question of that catechism, if you've never heard of it, please write it down. Go and Google it. You need to read it. Westminster's Shorter Catechism reads like this. What is the chief end of man? Question one. Answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I'll repeat. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So what's this stuff about glory? Of course, you hear the word glory, you read it. It's, it appears many times in the Bible, but you might ask yourself, what is glory? Well, glory is like the beauty or the goodness or the magnificence, the omnipotence and omnipresence, it is all those things about God and more. I can't list them and finish them. Actually, we can't even put them well in words, okay? But if I was to give you an analogy, it would be like this. Imagine the sun and the rays. We don't see the sun, but by the sun we see everything, right? Yeah, and... We don't see the sun, but if you wash your clothes and put them out, they will dry, right? The sun is many, many million kilometers away from the earth, right? But it's just the rays that you can't even look up to see the sun, right? And that is the sun, a created being. Now imagine the creator, right? Imagine the creator. The Bible says in Psalm 19, still speaking about the glory of God. We have God and we have the glory. So the glory is like the rays. It's like the things that flow out of, of God. Psalm 19 puts it this way. The heavens declare 
the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Meaning that when you look at creation, you can't just imagine that it came about by accident. There's, there's just something about creation that is magnificent. Mountains, trees, valleys, lakes, rivers, even childbirth, you guys, from the size of, you know, those who are fathers. When, you, when your wife gets pregnant, you download baby center, then you start following the process. So now the baby is the size of a bean. From a bean to a human being, right? There's something about creation that posits there must be a creator, okay? Isaiah, you know, that famous book of Isaiah, when Isaiah sees the Lord in chapter 6, it starts with, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In verse 3 it says, these are the angels, the cherubim and seraphim, they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory, right? The whole earth is filled with his glory. John Piper summarizes his philosophy for the Christian life like this, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified, meaning the glory is not increasing, we're not increasing his glory, but if we are satisfied in him, if we are satisfied in him, then his glory is most seen. Especially for us as Christians, if people look at us and we are saying all we want is God, um, and we are saying we desire God, then it makes the world know that indeed these guys trust him. So the key, I think, right, I could be wrong, but I, the key is to desire God. And maybe the problem with our Christianity or maybe the problem with our teachings is that we've not emphasized that very much. Um, you know, when we were young Christians, we used to listen to, to Paul Wash. Even now we still listen. But I remember he preached a sermon on the beauty of Christ. And he said something that stuck with me to this day. In fact, I think about it all the time. He says, if we were to catch a glimpse, just a glimpse of the beauty of Christ, you know, when you're starting your relationship with the person that you end up marrying, all those who are still dating, you saw them once, and just that sight of them made you want to ask their friends for their phone number, right? It could have been that maybe it wasn't physical, you know, you saw them and you were drawn to them, but maybe you sat down and had tea with them. I can tell you, I still remember what my wife was wearing the first time I saw her, but I can tell you that when I sat down with her to have coffee, the conversation was no more the way I speak to anyone else, but when I went back home and started, you know, replaying the activities that we're going through that day. I'm like, but there's, there's something different here. Let me first text her. So I texted. I said, can we meet again tomorrow? There's something I want to check, something small. <laughs> uh, there's something, uh, you left me not okay. I want to see something. So uh, we go for the next date. 
And I remember that time, of course, I'd come out of another relationship, I was heartbroken, so I told her, now, Ugandan chicks are, ah, let me go and do my PhD. I've given and she said, yeah, 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 I support you. You travel and go and do that about her is, I, I was like, and later she said that she liked me before I liked her. So I'm like, this is someone that you look at and you're like, yeah, yeah I think this guy can be a good boyfriend, but you're encouraging him to go. Yes, PhD is four years or five or six, depending on how smart or how long it takes you to finish. So I went, met her the second day, the third day, every day, checking to see that. After one week of speaking with this young lady, I knew that she would be my wife, yeah? Of course, then I couldn't tell her because she would run away. <laughs> so I, I decided to wait a month. We met in Feb, slightly after my birthday, which was on 17th, and we met again like 20th. We met a week after. After one month, the month of March, in April, I said, let me buy a promise ring. So I went and bought her a promise ring and said, now, this ring is a promise. <laughs> I will come back. Just uh, don't allow anyone. I'm booking. <laughs> this is a booking fee. And that's for human beings, guys. This is for human beings. What about God, right? So Paul Washer says, if only we were to catch a glimpse, just if God opened your eyes for you to see what Christ has done, what God has done. You would not struggle with sin. You would not struggle with forgetting about secular music, what, all those problems that I've mentioned. Moses tells God in uh, Exodus that, I just want to see you small tea. He says, you will not see me and live, so I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and my glory will pass by you. Right? And it is that glimpse, it is that desiring God, asking God to show himself to you that you will then begin to walk and live a life for God. When you think about people like Joseph, who had an opportunity to be a servant for, for the emperor at that time, and Potiphar comes and says, come here, small, small, and he says, I cannot do this thing and sin against my father. You have to ask yourself, what about this father? Can't you just sin, call this once, and who will know, right? What about this father? What about Job? When his wife, his friends say, now you know what? Things are tight, yeah? You just curse God and die. But the Bible says that Job did not charge God with any wrongdoing. With all that he said, he did not sin. So what am I saying? Another example is, I thought about as I was preparing, is that Uganda matters. You're a young boy from Buganda, someone comes, preaches the gospel, then the king says, okay, guys, next week there's a barbecue, all those guys who are, all those guys who are for Christ in the fire, all those guys who are against come this side. And the young guys say, you know what, Kabaka, we would have wanted, but we have just caught a glimpse. Like, we, we know this guy, and we cannot... We cannot denounce him. And so they are burned at the stake. And so when you suffer or you go through any kind of affliction or you go through any, you know, challenges, uh, you know when I start speaking about suffering, my wife can say, but you, you're born in Kampala, your parents are in the middle class. What suffering do you know? Yeah, it's true. I could not have suffered as, you know, some of you have. Or even some of you have not suffered as 
Some others have, because every day you drive down the road, you see street children. Definitely someone is suffering more than you are, right? But we can listen to someone who has suffered, right? Someone like Paul, right? Paul is a man who suffered. Actually, in chapter 9 of Acts, when he was struck with blindness and then God speaks to Ananias, what does God say? Let me read for you what God says. In chapter 9, I think it is verse... You go to chapter 9, you'll see it. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go to this man. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. Verse 16. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So this man, Paul, is destined to suffer, right? This is before he suffers. <laughs> but you can't preach this text in some churches, right? Other churches, it's prosperity, what, blasting all the time. Yeah, when you tell them that Paul's suffering was predestined before. Yeah. And so Paul is kind of, Ananias is being told that Paul will suffer. But listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Reads like this. For this light, suffering, eh? For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. As we've been discussing affliction, hope beyond affliction, suffering, pain, whatever. Uh, guys, let me just read for you this whole chapter. Because there are some chapters in the Bible that you should, you should hold on to. Things like 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's, it's those chapters that you need, Right? I have found in my work with the Lord that when you know the word, eh, you're doing well. Because even when Jesus is tempted by the devil, what does he do? He responds with scripture. Turn this bread into stones. Have you not heard? Man shall not live on bread alone. Jump from here. Then the angels will grab you. What, what? Like, haven't you heard? You shall not put the Lord to your test. Then bow down. You shall not have any idols before me. So, to know the word of God is what will help you to sail, not sail, but what will help you to go through your Christian life. So chapter 4, in closing, I'm going to read it, and then we are done. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have been renounced disgraceful. We have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So I mentioned catching a glimpse. It is God who opens our eyes because from birth we are all dead. Our eyes are all veiled. As you'll see here, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are
perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure. Guys, we have this treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Right? The glory is God's, not ours. We don't glorify ourselves, we glorify God. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Right? Verse 11, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believed and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence for it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Then verse 17, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Guys, in suffering, in affliction, look to Christ. The reason why we, when we catch a glimpse, we are so won over or sold over, we become mad, right? We become really mad for Christ, you know, running all over the place, trying to preach the gospel, hear men preach the gospel. It's not because of what God can do for us. You'll be like, ah, man is married, he has a wife, he has a child, maybe God has been good to him. It's not about what God will do. It's about what he has already done. You guys, for he who did not withhold his son but gave him up for us, how will he not with him freely give us all things? The most important thing was to, to die for our sins. Like, forget about money, forget about wealth and riches. And, is that you are forgiven. Can you imagine? All the sins that you did in the past, all the sins that you do now, and all the sins that you will ever do in the future are forgiven. And for me, I find great courage. I find great hope in that, right? It was when the Lord forgave me, and I truly felt forgiven. I was like, hey, you mean God can forgive like this? Now for me, forgiveness is easy, right? Because for he who has been forgiven much will forgive much. So I'll, 
want us to sing a song which is kind of like a prayer. Yeah, this song is like a prayer. I'll invite the worship team to come and lead us in this song. I want you to listen to the words of this song and, and pray them. And pray them. And really pray them. Right? And ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. Because when you catch a glimpse, when you know who he is, then living for him will be easy. Right? Living for him might be hard now, but when God reveals just a glimpse, you'll be like, wow, wow. I'd invite us all to rise to our feet. Please feel free to join in. Hallelujah. Let praises rise from the inside, from the inside of me. May you delight in the inside, in the inside of me. Let praises, let praises rise on the inside, from the inside of me, Jesus. of that song make it your prayer make it your prayer may it be something that you may be all that you want as you think about affliction as you think about as you think about what God has done as you think about what God continues to do in your life
thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, which is a seal. It's a guarantee that... Father, we thank you for your word, which encourages us. We thank you for the book of First Peter that we have gone through. We thank you for you have fed us and you have taught us from this word. Continue to encourage us through the week, through the month, and through the year that you have already done whatever is required. The rest are just bonuses. A good wife, a good husband, a good job, good children. The rest of the most important thing is salvation. So, Father, we want you to be glorified because you alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. trusting in your son's name. Amen.